Hello, welcome to the Self Learning Podcast by Dr. Shushma Singh. Let us start discussion on Unit 22, Migration and Development. Article 19 of, of the Constitution of India guarantees all its citizens the right to reside and settle anywhere in India. This freedom of movement is considered ideal for the development of any free and liberal economy. A change in the place of residence at least once is quite common in a wide range of countries. Census data show that in five years from 1976 to 1981, 7% of India's population moved within the country. What are the causes of internal migration? Migration is a complex phenomena with a multiplicity of causes which can be segregated into push and pull factors. There may be one cause earning and employment opportunities. It is well established that the greater the gap in earnings between origin and destination, the more likely are working age adults to move. Many migrants to urban areas initially enter the informal sector. For some, this is a transitory phase prior to finding more formal employment. However, statistical studies of these patterns are placed by the lack of precision in defining the informal sector and the evidence does not make it clear whether the formal or informal sector offers higher pay to observationally equivalent workers. Migrants to town initially earn less than observationally equivalent natives, but the evidence indicators that this gap disappears within a few years and may even reverse. Findings on whether differences in unemployment rates between locations promote migration are mixed. Limited evidence suggests that the migrants often identify their urban job before migrating, but other migrants do appear to search for work after moving, either while in temporary employment or while openly unemployed. However, at least one study maintains that of farm migration in developing countries will cease only when the earnings gap is entirely closed. It has also been argued that unemployed workers may have at least as high a chance of re-employment in their home setting where information and contacts are more readily available. The location of newly created envi- employment opportunities depend 
in part upon the development strategy adopted. The hypothesis that import substitution leads to employment concentration in large cities, lacks systematic testing through a case study of India suggests that liberalization has been a factor in promoting the emergence of new towns. It has been hypothesized that large towns offer a greater diversity of employment and hence a better chance of re-employment in the event of a layoff. This might render large towns more attractive to migrating workers. Now let us discuss family and network. Possessing a network of family and friends in town may encourage migration into town. Conversely, a well-developed network at home may discourage departure. Migration at the time of marriage to join or accompany a spouse does seem common. A few studies also suggest that the parents may have the welfare of their offspring in mind when making their own migration decision. Urban migrants often initially settle in ethnically similar neighborhoods who suggest that the networks lower the effective cost of moving in some manner. The next point is distance. Migration over short distance is much more common than migration to remote locations. Whether this reflects the greater cost of moving further, lack of information about more remote alternatives or less alienation in a nearby setting remains undermined. The next point is wealth and capital market. Incomplete or imperfect local capital markets may encourage out migration either directly through restrictions on the ability of families to borrow or indirectly through effects on the employment creation. The opportunity cost of financing costly migration is probably lower for wealthier families. This has two important implications. First, other things being equal, migration may be more common from richer families and this in turn may exacerbate the inequality in incomes. Second, as a reason becomes wealthier, out migration may actually increase as the financial constraint is reduced. Empirical evidence on those two implications is mixed and controversial. Only a few cross-family studies examine the wealth effect the results are too mixed to reach any conclusion. Some historical studies do show rising immigration as GDP increases 
but this is probably largely a reflection of the demographic transition and altered patterns of employment rather than elevation of a financing constraint. The next point is family strategies to contain risks. One way that families may ensure themselves is by having members migrate to lo locations where times of economic adversity do not normally coincide with those at home. Remittances between the home base and migrant then enable consumption smoothly. There is some evidence consistent with the remittance portion of this scenario. However, no direct test of whether migration is greater from communities with a higher economic risk seems to exist. The next point is availability and quality of amenities. Improved amenities in a location may attract industry or permit agricultural expansion to the extent that this results in employment expansion or higher wages out migration may be discouraged and in migration encouraged. Improved local amenities may also have a direct effect upon migrants decision simply by making life in this setting more attractive. Unfortunately, no evidence appears to exist on the effects of amenities on migration outcomes in the developing countries. The next point is incidence of violence, diseases and disasters. It is obvious that episodes of violence and natural disasters result in mass migrations either of internally displaced persons or of international refugees. However, the extent to which ongoing violence, political repression and the recurrent risk from disasters increase the flow of migrants is far less well documented. The next point is migration control and incentives. A few countries have attempted to restrict internal migrations unless the state is prepared to take draconian measures. Such controls are usually ineffective. In a number of contexts, it, it has been found that the expelled migrants soon return. In some of the socialist states, access to jobs, housing, food rations and other state benefits have been tied to a specific location, effectively preventing migration by removing the incentive to work. However, at least in China, the emergence of a more market-oriented system has eliminated the efficacy of these controls and migration has duly expanded. 
now let us wind up the session and take rest thank you very much for engaging yourself with a self learning podcast